1: Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Welcome into the NBA Morning Deuce for Friday, April 2nd. We got a big episode today that is because I'm joined by Laz Jackson, host of Pistons Versus Everybody podcast. He writes for DetroitBadBoys.com. He is your guy for everything Detroit Pistons. We're not just going to talk Pistons today, but it is a perfect time to bring on a Pistons expert because it seems like the fingerprint of formerly overpaid Pistons are all over the NBA right now. So... We could talk about that a little bit. We'll go through some of these games, and we're going to dive into the Detroit Pistons because I'm interested in this team. I think I mentioned last week how I've done sort of a 180 on the way this team was rebuilt after watching them more and more this year. So I'm interested to hear from a Pistons expert what the fan base and what they are feeling right now. But Laz, appreciate you jumping on with me, dude.
1: No, no thanks for having me, Joey. Even if the, the first thing is just like bringing up terrible memories of how all these former Pistons, I could have had this championship team if we just had, like, Kevin Durant or LeBron James in Detroit, apparently.
2: Yeah, I guess that's, that's sort of how <laughs> it goes. And I, it, you're not the only one. So at least you get to commiserate with, what, <laughs> 20, totally 20, fair. 25, 26 other fan bases in the NBA. So uh, – but since that's – we have a seven-game slate tonight and I brought up former Pistons now on potentially championship teams – We'll talk, let's start with the Nets. Nets beat the Hornets, 111-89. Blake Griffin's obviously there, didn't play tonight, but who did play tonight was LaMarcus Aldridge, debuts for the Nets. Uh, And I got to say, I'm pretty surprised. I'm not surprised that he played well, I guess, because he's LaMarcus Aldridge, he's a pretty good player. I'm surprised that he played 30 minutes that he started and he he was on triple-double watch at halftime. Like, uh, I think the, uh, the reports of his demise were greatly exaggerated at at this point. Um, and he steps into the starting lineup, Deandre Jordan, healthy scratch. I didn't think they'd go away from Deandre
1: Jordan that quickly, but they they looked incredible. No James Harden either. Yeah. I was going to say like, that's, I, I'm not going to lie. I did not watch this game at all. Um, in, in, like, in, I did watch multiple games. I did watch more than Pistons in preparation for tonight's podcast. But, like, yeah, I'm just, so I'm just staring, staring at the box score. First thing I notice is, you know, Lamarcus starts and plays 30 minutes. And that means DeAndre uh, Jordan is a DNP CD. And also, like, Nick Claxton played the other, you know, available big man minutes, basically. And what would, what, what, like, if there had been a competitive game, it would have been more minutes for Claxton. And I know that's going to ruffle some feathers around the league just because like Claxton is on the come up as this really switchable uh, defender who perfectly complements what the Nets are trying to do offensively because he doesn't need the ball in his hands. But uh, it seems like tonight, you know, like without, without Harden, without Blake, uh, the, the Nets kind of needed. Uh, and, you know, obviously with no Durant, the the Nets kind of needed another guy to absorb some of that offensive load. And it looks like, uh, it looks like actually Jeff Green did that tonight for them, but you you can see why LaMarcus Aldridge was the choice to kind of like play that role for Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, and I do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, like my biggest thing when this signing happened and the Blake signing for that matter was just that. It, I think I'm with all the people around the league that are on the Nick Claxton train saying like, it's nice to get all these buyout guys in there and so and, and they can all play, but if it's at the cost of their best big man, which is Nick Claxon, best center, at least uh, it just doesn't make sense. But I agree in what you're saying that it, it'll be a matchup situation for Aldridge. And at least just to get them through the regular season, having that other offensive option, because they're just like half the teams in the league, they're a mess injury wise, but he looked And he looked good and he looked happy. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy with these buyout guys. Everyone
1: looks happy in Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's very true. he just was like, they were feeding him the ball in the post. He was just doing, I mean, he looked like, I don't want to say vintage because he is still 35 and he's a little bit slow and whatever, but he did, he had some vintage moments with the turnaround jumpers and his passing out of the post out of doubles. He, he looked pretty good for them. I just can't, it's just, it's going to, it's surprising. I'll be interested to see if DJ is consistently now just out of the rotation, how that works.
1: Yeah. I think. Yeah. I was, I was, I think like this, like big man roulette thing that Brooklyn has going on is like actually in a weird way, like uh, it's ideal for them for, from a roster construction perspective, because like, they're not going to need DeAndre Jordan in every single playoff matchup, right? They, you know, we like, we, you and I both like Mick Claxton, but like, do I want to play him like 30 minutes in game six? Like not, not particularly right now. And so like just having multiple options, each of which do different things, but who are all like still kind of good, I think just like adds to the, the power and versatility of this Brooklyn team. It's like, that's not an accident, right? Like, they, they don't have dudes who do the same thing, and I, I don't think that's an accident.
2: Right, and obviously on that note, you know, they bring in former of Blake Griffin. Doesn't play tonight, but it's another guy who everyone was like, oh, he can't play anymore. I personally thought that that got way overblown, but you watched him closer than I did, at least for... The time, the, the time he did play this year and the last couple of years, what, what was your impression of Blake towards the end of his run in, in Detroit? And do you think that he can consistently contribute for this team? So
1: the thing with Blake is that he was pretty fairly washed in Detroit, or at least he looked pretty fairly washed in Detroit. Um, but what I think Brooklyn has shown and I think should be a lesson for, uh, like, handling big men in general in the future, is that uh, Blake could still be a very effective player if, uh, A, you know, his minutes were managed more carefully. They are definitely managed more carefully in Brooklyn than they are in New York. He was playing, you know, I think he was averaging, like, 34, 35 minutes a night in Detroit. And, uh, you know, obviously that wear and tear probably had an impact on, you know, his level of play. And then, uh, you know, he looks much different, you know, 20 minutes a night every other night than, you know, 35 minutes a night every night. Um, And then, you know, in Detroit, he, you know, obviously Jeremy Grant's come a long way in a very short time, but he was still asked to do a lot of stuff, like for the Pistons with the ball in his hands. And clearly he's not amazing at that stuff, right? Brooklyn doesn't ask him to do that all the time. Um, but like, like I joked about at the top though, like if, if you have, if you're playing next to James Harden and and Kyrie Irving, you know, like Blake Griffin's going to look better. And so like, yeah, Blake would have looked less washed if the Pistons had James Harden and Kyrie (laughs) Irving, right? Like that's (laughs) that's my take. I'd probably look less washed, I guess, uh, with those guys. I will say
2: like, here's the thing, this game in particular is scary to me for this team. It's just that it just in the sense that like. You expect Brooklyn, you probably expect them to win, but at the same time, Charlotte's good. Like, and I understand Lamelo's out, but Charlotte is a good team. I mean, they've been playing well this year. They're a good defensive team. They play tough. They, they're clutch. And I mean, did you, I mean, Brooklyn just put it on them? I mean, it was and it was balanced. I mean, Landry Shamit and Tyler Johnson both hit five threes. Like you said, Jeff Green went on. It was just a balanced, just ass whooping, pretty much. And yeah. And that's a scary thing when, you know, three of your, oh, well, two, obviously your two best players, and then Blake doesn't play. And now DeAndre Jordan's out of the, like it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. It, it, at this point, it just kind of doesn't, it seems like they are the prohibitive favorite. Not, Not that they're a lock because I do think there could be potentially the longer these guys don't play you know, like chemistry things. We've seen that with teams before that went in their first year together, but I don't know. This team might be just too powerful for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 definitely see some of that. I'm, I'm also just struck by, you know, Charlotte scores 89 points tonight. Charlotte's not a bad offensive team and classically Brooklyn is not like a great defensive team, but we see like, you know, without some of their worst defenders in James Harden and Blake Griffin and uh, one of their more limited, I guess, defenders in DeAndre Jordan. They only let Charlotte score 11 points in the first quarter and 17 points in the third quarter. It's like yeah. so, so. It's like Brooklyn. Brooklyn can create problems for you defensively, like with the right mix of guys, and like uh, and that that's a pretty scary thought because yeah. they they don't need to you you don't need to. Uh, to hold you to like 90 points in order for Brooklyn to win a game, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. that's wild.
2: Yeah, it is crazy. Um, and worth noting that Steve Nash and Katie both spoke today and said that Katie's pretty close to returning, which I mean obviously is huge for them in some for so many reasons, but guys gotta play eventually. I mean, I get the the more he sits, the more concerned I get that he's going to re-injure himself just trying to play his way back into shape. Um, and also interestingly enough was that Steve Nash, I guess said that the the organization had like internal conversations about the KD Rappaport situation. I, I don't know what that means. He didn't really expound upon it. And I don't know that, I don't know if they can really do anything or would do anything, but it is interesting that it's gotten to the point that they're discussing it within the organization. Cause it was pretty, it was pretty nuts that whole thing yeah
1: yeah you you informed me of the rap report situation like in depth like what actually happened when uh, before we got started and so i I won't really speak to it only to say that i totally understand why steve nash and the nets organization would at least offer that they are like having internal discussions about it
2: right yeah i mean it would be yeah, I mean, I guess you, you play it safe because if they ask and you're like, oh... Well, it's, well, yeah, it's, it's like, no, it's totally
1: fine. Like, yeah, yeah. you can't get away KD, with that.
2: It's just KD being Twitter KD. You know? it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, one team, I think, not that... <laughs> again, there's not a team I see right now that is beating these guys in seven games, but a team that at least has a chance to slow them down potentially and hang with them defensively looks like Miami uh, once everything starts clicking Victor Oladipo, the other guy who debuted tonight, uh, they beat golden state 116-109. And actually these days, 109 points against Miami is a lot uh, the way they've been defending, but that starting lineup, at least in the very beginning with Oladipo, Bam, Jimmy Butler, and Trevor Ariza looked like, um, it, they came out with an a defensive intensity that was up, just insane. And that's a scary defensive team. The offense for this team is still, they scored 116 tonight, so it's better. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero have been better since since the trade deadline. But man, this defensive, defensively, and they play, they have the 29th pace in the league. So they play slow and they defend like crazy. And that might be the only recipe to have a chance against a team like Brooklyn.
1: No, yeah. And you, you look at, you look at that lineup, and the the versatility is the thing that stands out, right? Like you can you can drop with that lineup, you can switch with that lineup. Robinson is really the only like quote unquote like average weakish defender in that lineup, and he's helped out by the fact that he's six seven and like in good shape. My and so Miami like is not afraid necessarily of that guy getting picked on in a playoff situation, and so like yeah, that's that's very uh, that's a very Like, good thing to see out of Miami. I am surprised that, like, Trevor Ariza has been good for them. Not necessarily that, um, like, he's not good, but we hadn't really seen a lot of him this year, and I wondered kind of how much he had left in the tank. And that's another, like, buyout situation. You get on a team, a good team. Well, Miami's, you know, 25 and 24, not a, a great team, but a team that went to the finals last year has had a lot of issues this year. But a team with the potential to be great, and you see guys, you know, kick it up a level. Uh, and play kind of inside themselves, and it has a profound effect yeah, on their I'm, game.
2: Yeah, my, Miami's just a weird team this year because it, last year they were just an okay defensive team. They're always a good defensive team. It's just kind of how Miami is, but they're okay defensively, but they they made that run because of their shoot. They were second, in, second or third in the league in shooting just great offense, and it's totally flipped on its head this year. They've been somewhat, at, at least since their early issues, since Jimmy Butler came back from COVID, a relatively dominant defensive team but the offensively they just cannot cannot get it going so it's weird it's a weird situation i do think vic looked a little i mean he looked like he's you know trying to figure things out he's struggling passing the ball a little bit tonight you know oh four from three not that he's a great three-point shooter but that will help them because they shoot so many threes and jimmy has this tendency to be so passive that it just just having another guy who's going to go downhill and score at the rim for them is I think going to end up being huge once Vic is sort of,
1: you know, if, if is is still that guy, that's true. But
2: even, I will say this, even if he's like 75% of that guy, it's, it's just an option because watching the heat, no one does it. They're so, they're like unselfish to a fault and they haven't been shooting the ball that well this year. So there's times in the games with Miami where somebody just has to take over. Offensively, and they just they still refuse to. It, Jimmy will do it, but then he'll have games like tonight. He had 22, but he only took 13 shots. Like they spread it around. Sometimes you just need a guy to just go get it. Yeah. And it ha- there hasn't been that guy for Miami consistently this year.
1: Well, that guy for them is Goron, right? And he's been yeah. kind of in and out or, of the lineup. Yeah. He was out and again so, tonight. And, yeah. And, so, and like he's what 33, 34. So it's hard to, yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard to ask him to do that every single night. But, yeah. you know, and like, you know, when it counts in the playoff setting, et cetera, you, you know, that that they will, they'll have that element.
2: Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to see how Spo handles that now no, with, absolutely. With, with Oladipo. And I think they said on the broadcast night, Tyler Hero has played 12 minutes in the fourth quarter in like the last 15 games. So they obviously have been going to him as a closer and he's averaging like 19 or 20 since the deadline. So, uh,
1: yeah, you, you, you talked about this with Robinson too, but the, those look like two guys who are just like happy to not be in trade rumors anymore. Oh yeah. Especially. Well, I get
2: Tyler too, but Duncan, I mean the shooting and it's funny that like heat fans and just people in general were down on Duncan shooting this year. And before the trade deadline, he was shooting like 38%. Um, Which obviously for an elite shooter is not for what he did last year is not great, but he was still shooting 38% (laughs) since, but since on high
1: volume, yeah,
2: right. But since the deadline, he's shooting 50. I mean, he was four of 11 tonight, but before tonight, he was shooting like 58%. So he's probably down, probably like near 50 now since the deadline. I mean, (laughs) which is just absurd. And like, yeah, Tyler just 20, another 20 tonight. Uh, This team. Yeah, the rotations as they get close to the playoffs will be interesting because they are deep now. Um, and also, you know, like a game like tonight, they got away with Bielitsa being their backup five, but I'm not sure that you could get away with that long-term. So mm-hmm. that'll be an interesting thing too because they obviously they had to move on from Myers Leonard and then they traded Kelly O in the Victor Ol- Depot trade. So seeing what they do, if they're able to go get someone, I don't know if there's anyone out there for them.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, for, for Golden State, Steph, Steph scores, what, 36 points on 19 shots. That's pretty good. Yeah. And nobody else on their bench does anything of note. And they tried everything, apparently.
2: Yeah, that, that – I mean, I just – this team, I know they have some guys on their bench who have played well this year, but that bench is – it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. It's just not – well,
1: just not good. How is Nico Mannion minus eight in one minute? How is that possible?
2: Yeah, I didn't even realize. I, 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 honestly, I watched most of that game and I barely even remember him being in the game.
1: Well, he was <laughs> like, only in for one minute. Yeah, I know how they were crazy. outscored by eight while he wasn't before. That's ridiculous. Okay.
2: Yeah. No, I'm not gonna pick on Nico Mannion. But no, yeah, I, like, the... I like I like Nico. He's in a tough spot. Yeah, He's in a tough spot on that team. Yeah, uh, but that bench, it's rough and. You know it's like if Steph Steph in these type of games, this is got these are this are the games that like as a franchise player that just you bang your head against the wall you're like, what can I do?
1: Yeah. Like, what, can like, I do? What, what more can you reasonably ask of Steph in order to win this game? And, and he's hurt like and nothing. he's still
2: hurt. And, and if you watch it if you watch the Warriors the last couple games since he came since he got that had that tailbone injury, he's still he's playing well but he looks banged up, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Like every time he took a charge, uh, it didn't end up being a charge in this game, but he, you know, he was guarding old Oladipo. Oladipo drove baseline and turned it over. It could have been a charge. And Steph, you could tell when he got up, he was like getting up a little gingerly because he's still not a hundred percent on that tailbone, but he's still playing great. He's And they can't, I mean, they, I, I said we did, like, second-half bold predictions, I guess, after the All-Star, and I said these guys wouldn't make the playoffs. And it's not – it's obviously not a Steph thing. It's just they just don't have – this roster is just rough, man.
1: Yeah. Are they – okay, so they're, they're, what,
2: 10 right now? They're nine. They're nine uh, half no, a game. With,
1: with the loss tonight, they're 10 behind Memphis. Is that what it is? Yeah, and a game up on Sacramento. Um, but yeah, and the the playoffs being, you know, the yeah. top ten instead of the top eight now, it kind of throws everything off, right? But yeah, it that is, you know, if you you tell me Steph Curry plays, you know, most of the year, and the Warriors are below five hundred this late in the season, I'm I'm a little surprised, honestly.
2: Yeah, it's it, it's a tough situation for them. I I, I wonder at what point, with as the if if you're the Warriors, do you just You know, do you say, like, do we are we really playing our asses off to get into the play in tournament and risk (laughs) something happening to Steph and compromising potentially having a run again next year when Clay comes back,
1: or do we just, you know, do we call it at some point? Uh, Yeah. On on the other hand, they have the Minnesota pick, right? They don't. They don't necessarily like need to call it to have a high draft pick this year. Yeah, right. I, I'm not even
2: worried about it. The pick is less of a concern than if Steph continues to just look banged up. Like at some point, oh, just, yeah. just, just, we've seen what happens when players play with injuries. And at this point, what are they, they're not playing for anything right now. They're playing to be, to continue to be in the playoffs. Like, best case scenario for them right now is eight seed, eight, seven or eight seed, I think, and mm-hmm. getting beat in the first round. It's for this organization with Steph Curry there's no there's no
1: win there. Yeah. I mean I, I guess if you if you're them right, you're telling themselves you're telling yourself like do we feel afraid of a first round matchup with Utah or Phoenix? And the answer is no, not particularly because we're, we still have Steph Curry. But if he if he's worn to the bone by the time you get there because you had to, you know, it took everything you got to get you into the playoffs. Like yeah, that that's not an enviable situation, obviously. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um,
2: the other team, I guess that people think will give, could give the Nets a run, the Sixers, uh, we'll see. We obviously Joel Embiid comes back on Saturday. Uh, they've been the best up until now, actually Brooklyn's the best team in the, in the East now record wise, but up until a couple of days ago, the Sixers have been the best team in the East all season. Um, they blow out the Cavs. And actually the only notable thing from this game for me was Kevin Love played basketball tonight, which is just – I just didn't even re- – I didn't even think about it. Like it just haven't hasn't really crossed my mind that he's just sitting there on their bench making a whole lot of money not playing any basketball. He just came in. I think he had like nine in the first quarter, ended up just playing 20 minutes, and they still lost by 20.
1: It's It's weird because normally a guy in that situation, right, we're hearing the whispers. That he's trying to get out. Right. Where it's it's the Blake Griffin situation where he's, you know, given interviews in the New York Times saying he'd he'd love to play for a winner. And uh the team's like, you know, you, you get the the Stein report or whatever that the team's working towards a buyout. But uh Kevin Love's just been hurt and uh doesn't seem to to mind things in Cleveland too bad. And so we're we're just like left with uh, you know, how he's gonna it seems like he's gonna play out the rest of that deal.
2: Uh, it, it, and he must have known, I mean, I guess he must have known when he signed the deal that this could be coming. I, I would think Kevin's not like a, you know, he's, he's a pretty bright guy by all accounts. Like he, he must've seen the writing on the wall when everyone left and then he signed
1: that deal. Like it was going to be a rough, it could be a rough few years. Yeah. But he had, you know, $120 million or 120 million reasons to sign that of deal. Course. Yeah, absolutely. And- You know how it is. The thought process is always like, I can get traded on this deal later, with, and we're as we're finding out that's that's not always the case.
2: Yeah, and that's and you know I I would love to see him play a little bit more at 32. I feel like some he could still be a good player for some team. I know he still has two years left after this year for a lot of money, but like there's a lot of teams that won't probably. Be able to get better than Kevin Love at this point. Like I feel yeah. like he could be a good player for a lot of teams, but he just he's never on the court, so no one. Uh, yeah, it was weird how much we haven't heard about. That's what was surprising to me. I was like, we just passed the trade deadline and the buyout market, and Kevin Love's name has not come up even a little bit, which it almost always does. Yeah, <laughs> imagine
1: imagine like Kevin Love playing those like eighteen uh, Bealiza minutes we talked about for Miami, right? Like yeah, how how much better totally. would they be? Oh uh,
2: yeah. I mean, and it's exactly what yeah, – actually, Bielitsa made a couple he, – he shot the ball decent tonight. But, yeah, like that's exactly what – it's been a struggle with Kelly Olenek for them this year at that spot. Now Ariza is not shooting the ball well. He's playing well. He's not shooting the ball great yet. And then Bielitsa, same thing. It's like the, a team that shoots the ball that much, he would be great for them. Um, yeah. I just, you could, I mean, but a guy with his skill set, when you already have your team built, Like to bring him in and put him in that spot, he'd be so good for so many teams. Yeah, still thirty two is still, it's not, it's not young, but it's not bad. I'm sure he could still play.
1: Yeah, his his game was always conducive to to aging gracefully offensively. Right. Yeah. Um. All right.
2: The I know you said you you watched a little bit of the Pelicans Magic game. Uh, This is, (laughs) it's so funny to me with the Magic. they blow up their organization, and then they win two in a row. They're
1: two and one, two and one after they blow up everything. Um, i I pay as a Pistons fan. I'm paying close attention to what the Magic are doing because after they blow up their organization, the assumption in my mind is like, oh, they're going to win like three more games the entirety of the year and like be among the Pistons in the uh in the bottom of, in the race for like the lottery lottery odds. But uh, if if they continue playing as hard as they play every night like may- maybe that won't be the case yeah it's weird so
2: i like they're they're obviously the rosters just totally depleted right now and i expect them to be bad but i will say like i worked for steve clifford for two my last two years when i worked in the nba and there's just something about his coaching style that like these guys that can't that that can't play in a lot of places he get they play hard and he puts them in the right position to succeed like he he has a way of maximizing even like the random g league guys to play good enough to compete you know so yeah. that's where you see like the chase on randalls playing well and like i actually really like chumo kiki but now he like looks he's looking pretty good for this team like it's just that's just sort of his thing. they're always going to be competitive but they can't keep winning games if that was when you blow up the team like I'm not a big tanking guy. I, I, I'm not big on tanking, but like if you're going to tank, you got to tank.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. whom I love and whom I think like is that was like a sneaky good pickup for them and had a good game tonight. Right. Like scored 21, yeah. had 12 rebounds. Um, it's like the, the coaching staff can definitely do a great job maximizing him and what he's got to offer. But if he's your second best player best player like i you're not going to win that many games in the nba you're just going to get out talented most nights um and so i'm i'm happy the magic are pulling this off uh i'm I'm rooting for wendell carter jr to make as much money as he can this uh this offseason when he's when i believe he's extension eligible um but yeah like this this magic team is just just you know, keep winning and stay out of the lottery where where my Pistons are going to need as much luck as humanly possible.
2: Yeah, well, and then especially in a night where you guys get a win, it's always nice for them to get a win on the same night. It exactly. is worth noting it, two things. One, it's weird like Kem Birch started for the Magic tonight, which is strange because then Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter come off the bench, which I don't totally understand rotation wise, but Kem Birch played five minutes, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, and for the Pelicans, no Zion, no Brandon Ingram, no Lonzo. So, this is not necessarily a sign of like, oh, the Magic can still are still playing, but they played against a that's, depleted that's team.
1: So now, uh, so now these are these are wins with you know no Zion and no Bi, and yeah. over a Clippers team on the second night of a back to back after playing a national game, right? Yeah, because they're going to be more nights like this for the magic in the future, but this is definitely not going to be the case for them every night. Yeah. And and a Clippers team that just
2: has it, they have a penchant for just blowing games, either blowing games or just coming out and looking like they absolutely like tonight, although they're playing a, a very good Denver team right now. They're in the f- fourth quarter. Uh, the third quarter just ended. Denver's up 81 70, but they yeah. just they have those nights where they just don't look like they want to play basketball
1: um yeah, denver looks like an absolute buzzsaw by the uh, way
2: yeah we could talk about them that so they're up 81 70 um and i've i've said this now every time we've recapped a denver game since they traded for aaron gordon i talk about the opening tip and i'm like i look at this lineup with aaron gordon and i'm like holy shit man this team is the upside now for this team and it it's like obviously aaron gordon's not he's not an all-star but just the upside, the athleticism, the talent, what what he brings to them that they lost when they lost Jeremy Jeremy Grant. Um, God, they look tough, man. They look
1: really, really good right now. I I thought it was possible for them to look like this. I did not think it would be this seamless a fit immediately between these guys, right? Like, I thought there was a chance Aaron Gordon might come in and be like, you know, hey, I want to do some Aaron Gordon stuff. And they, you know, accommodate him a little bit. And then when he got to, you know, crunch time or the playoffs, you know, we eliminate a lot of that fat out of his game. And it's like, no, every time I watch Aaron Gordon, he's cutting to the basket for a layup and that's all he's doing on offense. And he's not, you know, he's not locking down Kawhi, but he's guarding Kawhi adequately in a way that they didn't have anybody else on the roster who could accomplish that. Yep. And so he's just, Fitting in seamlessly to what they needed, just the the buy in from him about his role for this team has, has been amazing to me.
2: Yeah, like I watch these teams, and and you you know obviously they beat the Clippers last year. They came mm-hmm. back from three one, but I think last year going into that series, your assumption was this team's going to lose to the Clippers. The Clippers are built to be a conference championship type team, final team. I watch these two teams like I'm watching them tonight, and I'm like. Clippers Denver's can't beat better. these guys. Cl- yeah, Clippers Denver's can't beat these guys in a seven. In a, yeah, they're just a better team, like yeah. all around. Um, which is why I mean, it is crazy how which is sort of a testament to the fall from grace that the Clippers seem to be continuing to have um, right now. But it is also just the Nuggets. Like outside of a healthy LA, and I still really like Phoenix. There, that's probably it. I mean, I would I would go Denver in the West right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously it helps when you have the league MVP on your team. The The way that they've built the team around him to accentuate his strengths and, like, shore up his weaknesses, like, that's a big part of what Gordon brings for them, especially on the defensive end. It's just, like, this is... this We're looking at, like, a, a Team of Destiny-style thing here in Denver. Yeah. And, and Michael Porter Jr., too,
2: like taking some of the pressure off of Jamal Murray to have to go out and get 30, 35 every night, because mm-hmm. we know Jamal Murray's an up and down. Like we know he can go get you 50, but then we also know he can come back and get you 12 the next night. But Michael Porter jr. Especially since all-star break, he's been averaging close to 20 and he's top 10 in the league in three point shooting right now, which I don't think a lot of people realize that their six ten six, 10 small forward is I want to say like eighth or ninth right now in the league in three point shooting. Um, he's he's played great and bringing Aaron Gordon in takes pressure off Michael Porter jr to not have to guard the guard wing players that we know he can't guard. So it's just like, yeah, the, 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 the way Tim Connolly has sort of uh, built, like built this roster around Jokic, like you said, is just crazy. And then they have you, you'll, you, I can tell you this, like this is a broken record for people who listen to the show, but Denver also has two of my favorite players. They don't play them, but they do have two of my favorite players in Bowl Bowl and JaVale McGee. So I'm high on the nuggets.
1: <laughs> you like um, tall guys, Joey? Is that it?
2: <laughs> yeah, they are. They do happen to be tall. And most of these guys are. I don't know. I love Bowl Bowl. I just think he's so damn I just, he's so damn fun. And they never give him a chance to play. And then actually the thing with McGee is a, is a this year thing. Um, I turned on a Cavs game like early in the year. And the first possession I watched Uh, JaVale McGee hit a corner three and then the next possession, he hit a step back jumper at the elbow. And I'm like, all right, I'm all in on JaVale McGee this year. I'm just, (laughs) I'm all in. (laughs) It was just, I'm like, this guy's fun. I mean, obviously we know what he is and then he's also a three-time NBA champion. And I was just watching him like, man, he could, he could help a team. And then Denver trades for him and they haven't played him yet.
1: Yeah. They've, they've gone with the, uh, the Millsap green, uh, you know, back bench front court which yeah. is, uh, you know, I mean, like, that's going to work against some teams. It's not going to work against others, I'm, like especially against like the Clippers who don't have a Baca right now and are starting Zubac. And like, that's basically the only guy you have to worry about uh, from the center position out of them. Um, I, w- I was watching, you know, the second half or late in the first half, they have like Marcus Morris guarding uh, Jokic because they're not playing a traditional center because that's how they like to play. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's that's just that's just not going to work for you guys. So I I think we will we will get the playoff Javale McGee moments, I'm sure. But it's also like again, like you know, talking about how having a lot of different types of bigs offers you know positional versus or like scheme versatility. Like you're not going to need Javale every night either, and tonight's not apparently a Javale JaVale night.
2: Yeah, it it does also feel like you're saying like the playoff thing. It does feel like a move geared towards matching up with the Lakers Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously. The Lakers, they struggled with the Lakers size last year in the playoffs, and they're just going to need bodies to throw at AD. I mean, they need bodies to throw at LeBron too, but they're going to need bodies to throw at both of these guys. So uh, that's six more fouls and a guy who played on the Lakers last year that they can throw in there. Uh, but the Bowl, I was hoping so badly that Bowl Bull Bull was in the Aaron Gordon trade. I wanted you to ball- see
1: Bull Bull Freed in Orlando. The, the wanted Bull, Bull to- Mo Bomba backcourt. Yeah. Or I was
2: like, hashtag Bull Bamba. Let's go. Like it is. <laughs> that was all I was waiting for it. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't would you, you want to see that? I think that would be very fun to watch. If you're going to be a bad team, let's have Bull Bamba lead the way.
1: It, it doesn't get much more fun than that. That's, that's definitely funky. I don't know if it's fun. <laughs> it's definitely different. I mean I'm also waiting for
2: like a, a a a like Denver to be playing I don't know that that lineup they used in the bubble right the uh, yeah but win- now but now I want it to be I want it to instead of it being five bigs like five big guys I want JaVale McGee at the 5 Jokic at the 4 Bulbo at the 3 Michael Porter Jr at the 2 and Facundo Campazzo at the 1 Oh, just like the one tiny guy. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go. All seven footers and the shortest guy in the NBA. Yeah, that's one way to cover for him on defense. Absolutely. Yeah, and we saw him basically truck Ben Simmons last night. So we know he's tough. Like we know okay. he can hang.
1: That was hilarious. As yeah. as someone who is not necessarily a big fan of the way uh, Ben Simmons plays the game of basketball, for the most part, that that was a very enjoyable moment. <laughs> it was. And
2: Alex, my co-host, is he lives in Philly. And he he's ne- he also, I think he's turned a corner a little bit on Ben Simmons this year, but he's always ne- never been a huge Ben Simmons guy. He was just like, Yeah, he made Ben Simmons look like a bitch. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he he, he did. Composo F- is so small. He's on the court right now. Like, there's no way he's 5'10. There's no way. I'm five nine. He, I mean. It's TV, so – but I've been around – I mean, I worked in the NBA for six years. I've been around a lot of NBA players. There's no way Facundo Composito is taller than me. It just can't be. He's fun to watch, though. He's definitely fun. He's a wizard with the ball. Oh, some of those passes, he – I mean, it's like once every few weeks he goes – he has a viral pass. It's just – it's awesome. Um, And he's tough, man. He's tough. No, they they are – they look – Team of Destiny is a good way to put it. I like that because they they look like they could go on a real, especially because we have no idea what's going to happen with the Lakers. Just no idea.
1: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your
0: podcasts.
1: Um. All right, the last
2: game before we get to your Pistons was actually probably the craziest game of the night. Hawks Spurs ends up uh, double overtime. Uh, Hawks win one thirty four one twenty nine and. This is a huge, great win for the Hawks because this was the seventh game that they so they went on that run. Obviously, when Nate took over, mm-hmm. uh, but the schedule was kind of easy. So, not that you know you got to win the games. So, and I love Nate. I think he's a great coach. I think he got a raw deal in Indy. But this road trip, they're on an eight-game West Coast road trip that I sort of thought was like we're going to learn a lot about this team. They could, if they would have lost this game, they'd be two and. They'd be two and five. Now they're three and four. They have a chance. if They win their next game to come off of an eight game road trip, totally injury riddled five, four and four. So it, I think it does show a sign that this is, it wasn't just like a honeymoon thing. These guys are starting to play some legit basketball, which is what I think people expected before the season. But now we're getting obviously a little bit more of that. No, John Collins got hurt last game. Deandre Hunter came back. Now he's out again. So they can't, they haven't been able to get right all year. Still playing pretty good basketball, though.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know. I hadn't seen that John Collins got hurt. And so, I'm you know, I'm looking at the box score now. and not seeing him. Yeah, I'm he wondering. got hurt in
2: the first half of their last game, uh, ankle injury.
1: Okay, okay. But yeah, like you, you get contributions from a lot of different dudes, right? Like Gallo has 16 points and uh, apparently made, like, a huge shot in, in overtime. Um, you know, Lou Williams – Plays 22 minutes for them, uh, mm-hmm. does his Lou Williams thing. I think this was, this might have been his first game. I think so too. I think yeah. this was his first game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Ganovich scoring 28 points is huge for them. Like that, that is the type of production they hoped they would get out of him when they made that move this offseason. Right. And that hasn't been the case every night, but it, getting that type of production definitely shows you what they were imagining they were getting when they made that move. Yeah.
2: I wonder how many times in NBA history, three guys have scored 28 points in the
1: same game on the same team on the same team. Yeah. It's probably, probably rare. rare. Capella made 10 free throws, 10 of 10 from the line. How often does, how often does that happen in his career?
2: Probably the first time, probably (laughs) the first time Uh, Trey young has played so much better since Nate McMillan got there. I'm, I'm just not a huge Trey young guy. I see the talent. I know he's talented. I don't think you can build a championship team at, with him as your best player, but he has started to play. So it, so it must, there must really, it, it must've been something with, and I, I thought, I thought Lloyd was one of the guys who got a little bit of a raw deal. It was going to happen eventually. just I thought the timing was weird, but Trey has been a lot better. And he was clutch in the overtimes in this game, like hitting big shots. He didn't make his first three until the first overtime. And I think he had his second three in the second overtime. He was two for two which is very rare for Trey Young.
1: Yeah. 20, 23 shots and only two threes taken is, a, is an amazing stat line for, for Trey Young. You, you imagine, you know, the, the reason Nate was uh, uncere- unceremoniously removed in Indy was because, like, he had started to find himself more disconnected from a lot of the guys in that locker room, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And,
1: and the reason Troy – or Troy – Reason Lloyd Pierce got fired because he was finding himself disconnected from a lot of the guys in that locker room. And so it's interesting to me that, you know, Nate McMillan has uh, Trey Young playing better, um, despite like that being a, you know, alleged weakness of his, like mm-hmm. in, in Indianapolis. Like, is that, is this maybe like a honeymoon thing? Like, it, it's entirely possible. We'll see, like, you know, what happens in the playoff setting or whatever. But, um, yeah, like you know, maybe that's maybe that's something that Nate you know has worked on. Uh, maybe that's something that like Trey Young has seen. Like, okay, now I have to like put up a shut up because I can't like get two coaches in a row fired, right? Like, yeah.
0: That's so fair. that
1: that's that's an interesting thing. I'll be I'll be keeping an eye on for for Trey.
2: Yeah, they're they're seven right now, so they would be in the play in. Um, it's also huge for them to get this type of play out of Bogdanovich. Now, seemingly healthy for the first time basically all year um good win for them uh who's there let me see i i had their their schedule pulled up i'm trying to see who the last game of this west coast trip is for them uh it looks like pelicans at the pelicans tomorrow night that's a win i think it should be a win if if it's the same
1: if it's the same pelicans lineup we saw yeah. tonight, yeah
2: i don't know what i don't know how long zion's out i think it's like a wrist injury or something but um we'll see um all right let's talk some pistons i was actually you know i was i was thinking let's about do it.
1: I, I can actually do this with some enthusiasm tonight because the, the pistons played well
2: tonight well that's where i wanted to start because you know I, like it's like you know we talked about the magic and you keeping an eye on the magic trying to you know keep them out of the uh you know that bottom tier or the i guess top tier of draft picks so when you see like as a pistons fan when the intent is to get a top or to get the first pick or the second top three pick to lock yourself in there. And then you come out and just blow the doors off of a team. Like what's your reaction?
1: It's, it's definitely like a mixed reaction, but uh, I think the thing that helps is that this, this is kind of what the Pistons have done all year, right? Like nights like this have happened to the Pistons before. Uh, and so it's not entirely unexpected it's just very very rare this team has despite tanking despite you know not being a good team on purpose this team has played hard and with purpose every single night and on some nights that's that's enough to win and on some nights most nights it's not but like when you know when when Josh Jackson scores thirty one points, you you can't really be mad, right? Like like that like it's just your night. Um, the they had a win against the Raptors, where Sadiq Bay had twenty eight points. And it's like that that's good, right? You want you want your rookies, you want your young guys to play, to play well, um, because that shows obviously like progression in their games and and perform, performances of what they want. You're trying to build something, and so you want to have something to build on. Um, So it's like, yeah, you have to win sometimes. Uh, This team was constructed to avoid the locker room dampening eight-game losing streaks that really hamper a lot of other rebuilding situations in the NBA.
2: Yeah, I so what you just said is so right because I like I harp on this all the time when I'm talking with Alex or anybody really when we talk about teams tanking and doing like the long term tank. Uh, I've been part of that. Like I was in the video room for the Hornets that won or the Bobcats that won seven games and then won 20 games the next year. Like you're right, you have to win and compete. It's, there's no like going out there and getting beat down every single night. Doesn't benefit your organization. You have to learn how to do things the right way. And I was listening. And I was listening to your last episode with uh, with Mark Schindler,
1: that, mm-hmm.
2: um, and I think he kind of said it. It was one of you guys mentioned like Detroit, like doing the perfect tank job of tanking right now. So like, sort of like still going to be a top three pick. Like right now, third worst record in the league. But every night, like you just said, going out and competing and and having like surprisingly good performances from a number of guys that look like they could be part of your core for a while. I mean, like I I admittedly coming into the season was like, what the fuck is Troy Weaver doing? It's like, what is happening right now?
1: Some of the Mm -hmm. signings, I was just like, what what are we like? What's happening On, on day one of free agency? I assure you, you were not the only one. Yeah,
2: it was just like signing like all these forwards and giving like the Jeremy Grant thing. I'm on, you know, I I guess Denver supposedly was going to give him the same money, but um, I saw that contract. I was like, he can't live up to that. Uh, And he has obviously so far. Um, And then just watching this team, I've done a complete 180 just in the, in the sense that like, I didn't understand what this roster was before the season. And now there's still a long way to go. But, like, Jeremy Grant looks good. I like Sadiq Bey. Um, you get Killian Hayes back soon. Isaiah Stewart looks like a huge steal for, for you guys. Um, and even the kid saving Lee is pretty good. Like, like there's, there's things to be excited. I will say 30, games like 31 points from Josh Jackson make me nervous for you guys because I would hate
1: for you guys to, like, pay him a lot of money. <laughs> you know, fall into the josh jackson trap yeah yeah, yeah. well um, it's yeah. funny last night you no know, there this is the second game of back-to-back Back. last night they played portland um josh and sadiq both had terrible games and the exciting thing that happened that night was hamadou diallo right who they traded for prior to the trade deadline he came oh, yeah. off the bench and scored 19 points and I looked looked amazing doing it and so that's that's the thing with this team right like any night it could be like any one of these young guys popping and and playing well. Um, and all of these dudes, well, maybe not Josh. I mean, like I, I, like Josh a lot. He's a native Detroiter, right? He, he addressed the fans when they were allowed to like first have fans back in the building, which I thought was like an interesting nod, like giving that to a guy who, you know, you, you signed in the off season for the room exception basically. But, um, you know, having, having that, uh, you know, hometown connection. I think was really was really big for him, and and what he wants to do with the rest of his career. And so, like, I, I hope Josh is like is here for a while. But I don't think he's part of like the quote unquote like core of the team, right? Yeah. But like, but if he scores thirty one points, I'm happy with it. If Sadiq Bey scores twenty five, uh, Hamadou Diallo scores nineteen, right? Like, uh, Saban Lee scores twenty points in a win over the Magic randomly in the middle of like February. Like, th- those are all good things. Um, but as you can tell, they're isolated incidents. Because like I can't tell you the number of nights where Saban Lee scored like five points and it like it just hasn't mattered because they've lost. Right. Yeah. But but that's part of the perfect tank. Um, you know, the you remember the good things, um, and they happen, and oftentimes there's still not enough to win actual games of basketball in the NBA. Why didn't Hami play tonight? Uh they're they're still uh managing him after the groin thing. Got it. I, so I, not- I
2: you know I I was I actually watched the the most that I tur- I switched the game in the fourth quarter, but I totally forgot about him. I love him. Like, I just, I mean, Sfi is a good player, but I was just so like, I, again, I was like, here Troy Weaver just killing it, man. Like, I, I just thought it was like for a team that's rebuilt. He, he has so much upside. I, I just love that deal for you guys.
1: Yeah. I didn't, I, so I'm, I hadn't paid much attention to what OKC had going on. It's just like, they had not, they had not like entered my like field of vision. What's impressed me the most so far about Hami in his short time in Detroit is I think he's only played three games. Is you know I knew he had the athleticism right, like obviously you know slam dunk champion or like in the slam dunk contest, it's like forty inch for You 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 know all that stuff off the top of your head, right? What's what's really impressed me is the the patience he's shown. He's got this uh, he's got like this looping like left to right crossover. But he sets you up with it by, uh, you know, it's, he's playing at multiple speeds, right? But his top gear is so much faster than anybody else's top gear than, than when he hits it, like he's at the rim, right? And so having a guy who can do that consistently is just like an element we haven't had all that often in Detroit. And it's, but it's an element that Troy Weaver very clearly values. And so I'll be I'll be curious to see what kind of deal they signed Hammy to in the offseason. I know that was part of the reason why he was available from the Thunder. Thunder obviously like you got Lou Dort in there and you got you, know, you got to pay Shea soon. And I don't you know I don't know if you you want to do that and pay Hami, but but yeah, Hami uh, he was brought in to be a part of this team long term, and and so far that's looking like another Troy Weaver steal.
2: Yeah, I mean you put him with Jeremy Grant, you go get eventually. Obviously, you're gonna upgrade at, at the five, but that's. You know, those two together, guarding the perimeter is tough. Um, and then, obviously, whoever you get in the draft, it's just a, a lot of nice pieces. Um, so were you one of the guys when free agency started that was like, what the hell? And, and since then, are you like,
1: okay, I see, I see you, Troy Weaver. I get it. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. So it's funny. I, I went to bed early on the first of uh, free agency. And so, like half of the stuff I missed, right? Like when I went to bed, they had just signed Julio Okafor for like uh, for a minimum. I was <laughs> I like, okay, about that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so it's like, okay, I haven't seen, you know, I didn't. I missed the Delon Wright trade. I missed um, what else happened? I like, I missed the uh, like the they would already gotten rid of like Tony Snell and Lou Kennard and Bruce Brown by then. And so it's just like, like I. I once I like sat basically because I wasn't reacting in real time to everything, I could like sit down and like look at the roster and things started to fall into place. Like the, the, the thing that always like was readily apparent to me after what Troy Weaver like, you know, detonated and reconstructed the roster was that it was built for life after Blake Griffin. It didn't make like nothing made a lot of sense with Blake Griffin in place. Right. Like Jeremy Grant's just starting small forward when we all know he's a He's a four. Um, There's, like, a lot of uh, pseudo, like, not a lot of shot creation. You're going to be asking Blake to do a lot. But, like, it was very clear that, like, Blake wasn't going to be on this team forever. And that, like, when he wasn't, like, that would open up a lot of minutes for Josh Jackson and, and Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart. Right? And so, like, I, I always kind of was willing to give Troy Weaver the benefit of the doubt. And I think that has served me better than just like assuming that just cause you sign and trade for five centers in the first like five minutes of free agency, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I mean, and it was
2: even, I mean, it was even more exacerbated by the fact that at least for people within NB, that, that follow the NBA closely, Troy Weaver has been trying to become been trying to be a GM for so long and been passed over for so long. Then he take gets this job and signs
1: four centers on the first day of free agency. And everyone's like, right. Oh my God. Well, oh. so that that's interesting, right? Because it's, uh, it's interesting because when, so when Stan got fired, right. Mm-hmm. The, the Pistons didn't hire a GM immediately Ed Stefanski stepped up to, to lead the GM search. And then kind of eventually just took the, the president of basketball senior advisor role and, and, and was you know, running the team day to day. and, it turns out the Pistons wanted to interview Troy Weaver at that time and weren't permitted to by the Thunder, or at least that's that's like you know scuttlebutt, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you know two years later they've you know they've traded Andre Drummond for a sack of Skittles and some cap space. Um, they've they've set themselves up to uh to you know move on. They set themselves up for life without Blake Griffin. Like once, once Blake on the cap is pretty clean. Um, and now that makes themselves like a more appealing destination for Troy. And the Thunder are also like, you know, in a much different place than they were two years ago. Right. Like they are also rebuilding. And so he's, he's allowed to have the opportunity to interview for the team, interview with the team selected. And now we just see the, the diverging ways. These, these two teams are now being run Um despite the fact that there were used to be connected by this one guy. Like, I don't know. like I don't know if you noticed but the thunder are not prioritizing like a bunch of uh, high motor athletes who can't shoot as much as they used to be. Yeah, no, I know the thunder. There's, we- there's no way Troy Weaver drafts Pokashevsky, right? Like that's not, sure. right. that's not his type of guy.
2: Yeah. And I, to be honest with you, I look at the thunder and I'm like, I I just hate, I, I don't like their... I know people I people are different than me around the league, people that follow the league and, and cover the league. I'm just not... I, I mean, I love Shea, but I just don't love what they've done with their roster. And they're overachieving way too much for what is currently on their roster. They are going to play themselves out of anything potentially draft-wise. Like, And their other two first-round picks this year, the protections are such that they might get screwed out of all their picks this year. So I, I'm not sure what... Uh, they, that's another team that's like they should be tanking, but they are struggling to figure out how to tank the right way.
1: Well, their war chest is so big, right? That the the next James Harden situation, and you probably won't get a player like James Harden in the next James Harden situation, but the next disgruntled superstar that wants out the Thunder in prime position to acquire that guy because they have like 30 odd draft picks over the next seven years. Right. Like they, their hall beats anybody else's hall.
2: Yeah, that's true. But I'm I, not, I think, com- I think that's their
1: play. Right. Yeah, not uh, absolutely.
2: I, I totally. Yeah. But I just, I guess my thing is Sam Presti has not proven to, that he has been able to make those moves and then build a winning team around those guys to keep them there because he's, he's made those moves before. I mean, um, and everyone just sort of seems to leave. I don't know. I'm just – I guess I'm not as high on Sam Presti. I mean, like in, in, in
1: Sam Presti's defense is Oklahoma City.
2: like Right. No, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, but that's why I like loading up the war chest with picks to go get guys that ultimately are not necessarily going to sign. I would rather have a guy who it seems like Troy Weaver actually is that can evaluate talent and – if you're gonna get all these picks, like try to hit on some of these picks, which honestly he's done okay with his drafting. But it, you know, ten years ago he obviously drafted three Hall of Famers. But I, I don't, I don't love a lot of their roster. I know we get with a lot of times we get like caught up with good players on bad team, like good players on bad teams. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people watch OKC and they like think this guy that Pokushevsky is going to be like the next star. He's good. He's a good player, but I, they need so much. That team needs so so much, um, and maybe they'll get it with with a trade with these picks. I just I don't know, man. Yeah, thirty, 30 seven picks in the next seven drafts or whatever it is just doesn't seem. I, I don't know. I, I just it, doesn't
1: seem like the way to me. It, it's know. a philosophical thing, right? Yeah, like Troy Weaver specifically. He, he knows which darts. He's throwing. He's he's aiming very precisely with the darts that he's given. Right, Sam Presti just has a shotgun blast full of darts. Yes, and it's like it's a philosophical question of like which one of those is going to turn out to be more, uh, you know, productive. And it's like I don't know. We'll we'll see. And ask me in, in asking five years.
2: Yeah. I well, I think that. Um, I think the chance. I think the the dart. Um has a better chance to succeed quicker, but I, I just, I don't know. It's weird to me. I think that, I think you guys have a chance. It assume like in the, when you draft in the, if you draft in the top three and get, <laughs> get your guy with the pieces that are being put around that team to succeed a little bit quicker. Although I get it. The Thunder do have an all-star level player, but I, I just think they have so many other guys that, probably wouldn't play for any other team in the league. So it's just weird. It's just a weird – yeah, it, it's, it is true. It's different f- philosophies. Um, but as far as you guys go, actually, here's something I've been wondering. What happened to my guy Seiko Demboya?
1: Oh, man. What's going yeah. on there? So the last couple of uh, games, at least, it's been, it's been migraines, which is a concern because he was concussed earlier this year when who was it i think it was kyle lowry kicked him in the back of the head yeah exactly and he had a concussion last year which i was reminded of um, after the second concussion by somebody else and so and so like now we have got the migraines and so like now i'm like officially pretty cautious about like his long-term situation um you know, obviously he's a very young kid. That's not something you want to like brain injuries are nothing to mess with. Right. And so that's obviously just like take as much time as he needs to to get right and then and then go from there. But even even prior to that though, he had been just like you, you talk about how there's there's guys on OKC who couldn't play for any other NBA team. He did not look like he belonged on an NBA floor. He just he, he wasn't very good. And like I understand that he's twenty, and uh, I oh, I understand he turned twenty like in December. I, I understand he's like still I, I believe he's still one of the twenty youngest players in the league. Um, but you can't. It's, it's the Dwayne Casey has said, and and like I believe, I believe when he says this. That like the way that he wants to operate the development of these guys is to. Like, reward good play. Like, you play well, you get minutes. Like, we, we do positive reinforcement. You, you don't play well, right? Like, we're still training you in practice and everything. They, they were they were really big on the G League, you know, last year. Didn't send a team to the gobble this year. That mm. probably was a mistake. But that's, you know, I got to ask Tom Gors's pocketbook about that one. Um, but it, And so, yeah, like Seku hasn't played well enough to earn the minutes that everybody else has pretty much been given like they've you know Tyler Cook played 23 minutes tonight right and Tyler Cook's on his second 10 day with the team and he's he's been like fine you know nothing amazing he can jump real quick he can jump real high like that's cool but like is he like in an ideal world like he's not part of this long-term core and, and Seku is but it's hard for me to say with a straight face that Seku has been better than Tyler Cook right like the season just in general and so it it makes sense that he's just not going to see the floor under those, those circumstances. It's been a big source of frustration for a lot of fans, right? Because, you know, you, you've won 14 games. Why not play this kid you drafted at, uh, at 15 last year who, you know, showed out in the G League and showed a lot of promise in his first couple of NBA starts? Um, and And then you look and he's just like, he doesn't belong on an NBA court right now. Like that's kind of why.
2: Damn, it, it's unfortunate because obviously, you know, last year I, I I saw a couple games. He looked good. He won me some money in Fanduel last year. Honestly, that's where I like. That's oh why yeah I like during him. the
1: streak. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah, that's
2: why. That's why I like him so much. Honestly, because but. No, I thought he had. I thought coming into the year, and that was another thing where, when I saw all these guys that were getting signed before the season, I'm like, "What about Seku? Like, what's what's happening here? How what's What's going to happen to him? That sucks. I didn't know about the 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 concussion thing. That is that is nothing to mess with. So yeah, hopefully that you know he gets back from that because that's rough. He is young, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, last thing. So we got about I don't know what what's the uh so detroit is how many games you guys have left so it's 24 you've played 48 so 24 yeah somewhere in there yeah have you started looking at prospects like do you have a a guy that you're into or you do you have a a couple guys that you're like oh if we get any of
1: these guys i'll be happy I mean, I, I was doing that after like game 30, right? Like, <laughs> okay. Like when, when you're, when you're what, like when the, you're like eight and 24 or whatever they were, it's fair. like, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's time to start looking at the college guys. And so obviously, you know, this draft has been uh, pitched as like, there's, there's five guys. All these guys are good. There's levels within those five guys. But like, if you get one of these five guys you are good. And you know, I'd, I did my own evaluation, but like I kind of came to the same consensus that everybody else has. There, there's other guys I like outside of the top five, which is uh, like not what Pistons fans want to hear, obviously. But like with the new lottery rules, like it is kind of a requirement that you have to think outside of the top five. Uh, I, I bring this up every time I talk about the lottery the, uh, the John ja Morant year, the, the Zion John Morant year, uh, Memphis. And uh, New Orleans both won, I think, 33 and 34 games that season. Um, and, and so, like, as such, like, they weren't the worst teams in the league, but they still picked one and two. I remember correctly, Phoenix won 19 games in an 82-game season and picked sixth, mm-hmm. right? Like, that is, that is impossibly rough, but it also means that, like, you you have to factor in, you know, Six, six, seven, eight guys in, in your draft evaluations when even if you're, you know, a, a bottom three team because the the possibility remains, it, it, it's out there. Um, and so obviously, you know, I like Cade. Everybody likes Cade. Cade would fit seamlessly on this Pistons team that only has like two or three guys who can create their own shot. And uh, only only like one guy in Plumlee, who was like a plus plus passer for his position, um, I like Mobley a lot. Mobley would, Mobley would fit in really nicely with the, uh, like, with the displayed ability of this team to defend. Right, you, you imagine a lineup where it's like, you know, Hillian Diallo, Sadiq, Jeremy Grant, Evan Mobley. Right, like that lineup is going to be able to get at it after yeah. defensively, and, and really. Uh, and like make things make enough things happen on offense to where you feel like comfortable with, with the spacing. Um, I like Jonathan Kuminga out of the uh, out of the G League. Yeah, he's he,
2: one who I, I haven't seen. I mean, I haven't watched a ton of college basketball this year, but he's one that I haven't really yeah. watched. Any, like I haven't seen any of them.
1: Yeah, the the ignite guys were in a, were in, a in a weird situation, right? They, you know, they're they're playing a, a admittedly higher level of competition than most of the NCAA guys, but. Um, they're also playing, like, more games in a shorter setting than they've ever played in their life, right? Like, the G League has, like, back-to-backs. So, like, I, you get to see, like, these 18-year-old kids playing back-to-backs for the first time in their lives against, like, other, like, 25-year-olds. Um, and, you know, colleges obviously don't have back-to-back games. Um, and Kaminga really struggled, right? Like, he, he started off really hot. Um, and then, you know, as the, the team lost... Uh, I think, like, Donta Hall got signed to uh, to Toronto, I believe. And so he was out. They lost, like, a couple other big guys to injury. And so all of a sudden, like, this guy who was their starting small forward was now, like, playing center minutes for them. Mm. And so his his role changed a bunch. And uh, he was just, like, not as effective an offensive player, um, which, like, is, is something to hold against him for sure. But you also remember he was, what, he was 18. And he was being consistently relied on to generate his own offense, right? Like uh, his entire shot diet was uh, like catch and shoot threes, uh, post-ups and ISOs. Like that's, that's a hard way to make a living for, for an 18 year old. Uh, And the, they were letting him do it just to see if he could, I guess. So it's like, yeah, that you know, that's, that's Brian Shaw for you. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the the one guy who I haven't seen a lot of actually, which is weird, is is Jalen Suggs. And I know I know Gonzaga is really good. Uh, I know they're undefeated. Mm. I know he's he's played a big role for them. But I just I like haven't seen a, a bunch of him so far this year. And so I'm curious to see uh, like what what he's got uh, on tape. I will say that the thing that uh, kind of worries me about Suggs is that he's not he's he's billed as a guy who can shoot, but he's not really a shooter. You, you take out that, yeah. You you take out that game against Iowa where he made seven threes. I was looking at this the other day, and after that game, uh, including the NCAA games, the tournament games, he's shot twenty eight percent from three on the year, on pretty low volume, on only like three attempts a game.
2: That's worse. like,
1: yeah. it's so not what's worrisome for me is not only that he's shooting twenty eight percent, it's that he's not taking more threes like you're a lead ball handler for a, a, a college team with a great offense like you you should be shooting a lot of threes mm-hmm. but he's, he's apparently he's just not confident enough in them and you know they're, they're finding success without him doing that but like in the nba if you're going to make money if you're going to make this team better like that's you're going to have to shoot like pull up threes like that's what that's what guards had to do in today's league and so like not him not being as willing to do that as i would like is worrying
0: yeah,
2: dude. I'm I, dude, I can't wait for the draft. You got me pumped. Like I'm you're coming on, you're coming back on. You're going to be like one of our draft analysts. Like, dude, uh, you're like,
1: you're I, all, I'm you're draft, all over it, man. I'm a draft guy purely by, by circumstance. Right. Like I, I, hey, whatever, man. You, this you, life. <laughs> you, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. What do you think about my guy, Scotty Barnes? I like Scotty. I don't think he's not what Detroit needs, sure. but, uh, you know, Detroit needs somebody like who can score and, and be a lead ball handler and Scotty is definitely just like a, a glue guy. But uh Scotty's classically like the type of dude that gets drafted and everybody's like, Oh, like how the, how did Scotty Barnes fall at twelve? He's just making mm-hmm. everybody so much better around around him and you know, has a twelve year career that's insanely productive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I like Scotty a
0: lot. He's such like, a typical.
1: Such a tip. I went to Florida.
2: i worked for coach Hamilton when I was in college. He's such a typical. Oh, really? Leonard Hamilton guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's Patrick Williams, Jonathan Isaac. It's just the same. It's that mold. Chris Singleton. Like it, They're like all very similar players.
1: Um, I, and- I appreciate the stylings of, of Hamilton, right? Like he he is recruiting uh, a college team the the way I would if I was trying to prepare like all my guys to play in the NBA, right? Like if I was building an NBA team in college, I would recruit a hell of a lot like he does.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the one thing I'll say for him, as opposed to a lot of other coaches is, um, you know, he does get knocked for coaching and I understand because offensively their teams, it's just hard to watch. But there's going to be very few guys, very few players in any draft that are more prepared defensively to come into the NBA, which is the hardest thing to learn as a young player coming into the NBA. So,
1: you know, all these guys are ready. Yeah. And which and that's the thing that will quickly endear you as a rookie to NBA coaches is like that's how you get playing time in the NBA. It's like you the coach understands that he can put you on the floor and not get murdered defensively. Like that's that's a ticket to more playing time.
2: Yep. And I think it'll help them that these last couple guys that have gone high, Jonathan Isaac before the injury, and now Patrick Williams is playing great this year. um, That always helps to see the guys before him do it. Even though Scotty was, Scotty's probably the best recruit they've had maybe ever. I mean, I I don't know. Jonathan Isaac was pretty good, but Scotty Barnes was, was pretty highly ranked coming out of high school. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, you're definitely, dude, I mean, you're gonna come back before the draft, but we're definitely gonna have you on for the draft, even if it's just out of circumstance. I this year has been the least college basketball I've ever watched because I'm just not employed at a job that's requiring me to do it anymore. So, <laughs> um, and I, I honestly just college basketball is
1: rough. So college, it, hey, I, I went to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of Michigan State college basketball. Is exceedingly rough to watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, like yesterday. It's just like I, I there was the one night I think it was the night of the play in games where, um, you know, everyone's freaking out about two random mid majors that I've, that no one's ever watched before finishing like with a final score of like 53 to 54. Meanwhile, it's the same night that Anthony Edwards becomes the third fastest player to ever score 40 points. And Brad Beal and Donovan Mitchell go out for 40 against each other. And there's seven other guys in the NBA that score 35 in a night. And I'm like, guys, there's good basketball happening tonight. It's not these two (laughs) mid majors that can't score. (laughs) Like there is good basketball happening. It's not that it's it's
1: crazy. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But, but you know what? We got to watch it because we got to be prepared for the draft. So we will have you back. Uh, Laz this was awesome. I'm happy to hear, like, I'm happy to hear the mindset, the mindset of a Pistons fan right now, because I know it's like weird, like being in that weird rebuilding phase. It's, it's interesting to know where the fan base is at, but it seems like that you got, you at least feel like things are slowly headed
1: in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. And I want to thank you for having me on Joey. When, when you told me, that you were going to start recording, uh, you know, after halftime of the late games. I was like, Oh man, like he's, he's bunching up real close against my bedtime, but I'm glad, (laughs) I'm glad i made the time to do this. though. this was a lot of fun. Hey, that's a, that has been the, it's been one of the tougher things about
2: getting people to come on this podcast. We do record pretty late, Um, (laughs) but no, it ends up being fun and this was a great episode. Everybody uh, listen to Pistons versus everybody. Great podcast. Get, I mean, obviously, get everything you need from about the Pistons from Laz. He's your guy. At Laz L A Z Chance, the word Chance on Twitter. Go follow him. Great follow, and uh, I'm sure we will have you back on very soon. Appreciate it, man.
1: Thanks for having me, Joy.
2: And uh, we'll see everybody on Monday. Alex will be back Sunday night, and we'll uh, do it all over again next week. Later. <laughs>